0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart.
1: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
0: Golden, Colorado.
2: Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more.
1: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Sunday. And
2: Brendan... What was that what what did we just watch? It's every other week I feel like we go into these episodes where we're like, what are we doing here? We're so perplexed and it it happens way too frequently Corey I'm getting I'm getting sick of doing this
1: yeah so
2: I I think that about <sighs> gives it away if you weren't already
1: aware, but the Cubs are swept at home at Wrigley Field by the Washington Nationals in a three game set the games All different in their variety of annoyance and whether the Cubs were competitive in them, but the end result is the same in all of them, a Washington win and a Cubs loss. So Brendan and fellow listeners... The Cubs now find themselves two and a half games as they head into an off day on Monday, two and a half games behind the St. Louis Cardinals for the lead in the National League Central, which is not a particularly great place to be, Brendan, when there are only 32 games left in the season. The Cubs are 69 and 61 through 130 games. So by my math, which obviously at home you guys know to double check, that means we've got 32 games left. So that is certainly not an insurmountable lead by any means. Uh, But Brendan, I I think we can kind of just skip the recap here. It wasn't good. I'm not sure that I have any particularly great notes on anybody, I I don't think. Uh, So I just wanted to start by asking you in a general sense, 32 games left. Two and a half games behind the Cardinals. You're obviously in the hunt for one of those wild card positions as well. What is your general feeling of where we are? Because I think you and I discussed, like, we've talked about a lot of the flaws that this team has. Some of them we've been talking about for periods when they could have been addressed, right? We've been talking about the bullpen position player depth all the way back in the offseason podcast. We were warning of this issue and worried about this issue, etc. So I don't think we need to run through all of that again. We don't need to look at some of the guys that are struggling. We've talked about a lot of this. You guys should know a lot of this or at least have heard our thoughts on a lot of these things if you've been listening to the podcast throughout the year. But I think now is a good time with the off day and with with, I think this not feeling like one of those like let's get on here and get close to swearing type of episodes, Brendan. It's more just like, Blah, like the energy is just out of the balloon that, you know, or out of Wrigley Field. It certainly felt that way today. So I, I think it's a good time to just state like, where are you with this team realistically and, realistically. and just laying our cards on the table? Where are you with this team as we're close to September here and, and nearing really these final few weeks of the 2019 season?
2: Really, I'm exhausted Like talking about this team. And I go on Twitter and, I, and I, I see and I understand a lot of people wanting to talk about retooling the roster, but there's 32 games left. I just don't have the energy to do that. We did that before the July 31st trade deadline. We knew what the holes were. The Cubs did everything in their power to address those holes. And this is what the team is now. We're going into September next week. 32 games left. I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, a week and a half ago, the Cubs' probability of going to the playoffs were like 85%. Now it's down to 66%. The probability they would win the division was like around 70%. Now it's 40%. So it's a weird mix to be in. I'm exhausted Like talking about this team. I have, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think once you get to this point in the season when you have 30 games left... You can flip a coin; like anything can happen in 30 games. But for the past, what is it? Like 100 games or so, the Cubs have been a league-average team, a 500 team with this talent. So predicting the next 30 games is borderline impossible. They're projected to finish with an 87 and 75 record. 87 and 87 and 75. That's that's not acceptable, and it's all possible they go on to tear. Right? Like we know. They have the talent, but we know what needs to be done. We know Javi needs to come back and play like the guy he was earlier in the year. We know Rizzo needs to stay healthy. We know KB needs to continue to do well. And we need to know that the bullpen is going to lock down the games. And everyone else besides KB is right now a question mark. So I, I don't know. I don't have a solid idea, a grasp of what to expect. And I think that's kind of the hallmark of this season, Corey.
1: Yeah, and I think that one of those things that you said is is what sticks out for me the most, at least at this point, like, they have been around 500 for about 100 games. This is not just some small sample. This is not a blip. And I've said repeatedly that I don't think that the talent level of this team should be close to 500. I think it's above that. But when a team plays this way for this long, you really don't have any choice but to kind of accept that that's part of who they are. It's been a while, right? Like, this is not just a couple weeks where they look mediocre, average. Like you said, this is a long time. And, And it was... I think a little concerning, but not something I was really buying into when we were leading up to that All-Star break and they had had that sub 500 month of June and started July the same way. Then we had that All-Star break. At that time, you were like, yeah, they've been like close to 500 for 20, 30 games, whatever it is. But I think they'll snap out of it. And we really haven't seen it. It's It's been just as inconsistent here in the second half. The road woes we you know are have been much talked about, and obviously they, you know they they get uh, the business handed to them a little bit here by a hot Washington team and a team that you may run into if you don't win the division or later in the playoffs if you do. So we had kind of looked at this weekend as you know maybe a little bit of a litmus test. Hopefully they would be able to kind of like gear things up coming into the series on a five game winning streak, and they just didn't do that. They looked flat in a lot of this series. A few of these these games get out of hand at various times in terms of the score and just not the the showing that you were expecting so that's what really jumps out to me that unfortunately this is a, a long time where this team has been inconsistent and I, I don't think playing to the level that we want them to or expect them to and
2: yeah. I, like, I don't again, know if there's any answers that's the yeah thing. like and I don't even know if it's worth even talking about like hey what are the possible answers like we know we know the issues right like we know and we saw in that last game on Sunday six through nine the lineup's weak once again I know Addison Russell hit a home run but come on like let's be realistic here on what you want to expect and we know the issues with Rizzo and his back like that can go on for weeks at a time right Right. we are in no position Corey to lose a bat like Anthony Rizzo so you hope he comes back but it's still nevertheless a question and you're already on. without Wilson as well, and yeah, and you yeah. know when he came back in 2017, like he just had no power. Still a productive hitter, but still did not have that power. So it's it sucks. Like this is probably the lowest point of the season for me. Okay, I I mean I'm not like you know I'm not saying oh the season's over or when I, I this is how baseball works. Like I said, two and a half game uh, deficit. They're more than capable of coming back. It's just a matter of feeling comfortable about them realistically doing so and I think you look at that Cardinal team they're hot man their rotation's on fire uh Jack Flaherty's going off he has the best numbers for any starting pitcher in the second half way better than DeGrom anyone else and then Fowler's going off too and you just see that team and you're like you know what they 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 may have it and you look at a team like the Nationals too those types of at-bats top to bottom are quality at-bats Madden described having their top three guys as natural leadoff guys. Like, you know, that's some, some subconscious, like passive thoughts about his inability to put a leadoff guy in his own lineup. So uh, it's, it's so frustrating, Corey. I don't even know how to think and organize my thoughts because there's so many ways to go about talking about this team right now. But again, 32 games left. It's a coin flip. And we're back in the same position we were one year ago. And we thought so definitively that this would not happen again after last season, and we are in the exact same position, and it is infuriating, Corey.
1: Yeah, and I think this is what we were worried about when this team was inconsistent earlier in the year, and the division was tight, and they weren't playing to the level that that we had hoped for. I think the reason that you know, people like you and I, Brendan, and and some of the writers and a lot of fans. The reason that we harp on some of these little things, right? The things that you have heard us talk about a million times: how many plate appearances they gave to Discalso, how many times Almora was leading off, how many times, uh, like you said, Lucroy is now hitting six. These little yeah. things, right? Right. The reason it's we confusing. harp on those things is because this is the situation you're trying to avoid. Like, right. this is a coin flip, man, and just like last year, you now are—this This destiny is not in your control. The Cubs can go off in the next 32 games, and the Cardinals can just be two games better, right? And they'll win
2: the division. And that's what happened last year. The Cubs went 15-12 and 12 in September last year. By no means was that a collapse. They won 95 right. games. But unfortunately— Those other games that they probably should have won last year came back to bite them, despite them not imploding, just not playing their best baseball. You never want to put yourself in that position. But again, here are the 2019 Cubs, and they're in the exact same position.
1: Yeah, so I think that getting back to the original question, I I think I'm frustrated. But we will table all of the systemic conversation, what's going on with the front office and and certain players' development and looking back at the offseason and saying they should have addressed this, they should have addressed this because that's just a discussion for a different day they didn't do those things they're not going and we've to... had those
2: discussions too generally right, we have and also we just talked, talked about, about this. this yeah
1: yeah but like we're not going to deal with guys getting fired and traded and all that other stuff it's not going to happen now so we'll save that for when it starts to happen in the offseason and trust me with the way this is playing out it will happen we might get an actual explicit episode like it, it may happen in the off season. Yeah, I think it's, it seems like it's going to be necessary, but I think that the place we have to be at right now is there's 32 games left. They're two and a yeah. half back. That is certainly not an insurmountable deficit. You're going to have some head-to-head opportunities with the Cardinals. And they need to figure this out, and they need to figure it out quickly. And this Washington team is tough. This was a tough series. You get Strasburg to finish it out on Sunday. And by no means is that an easy series to win, but a lot of the issues and inconsistencies and flaws that have been exploited with this team were on full display. And one thing that was talked about an awful lot was the fact that the Nationals beat them mostly on singles, mostly just by putting the ball in play. And so many times in this series, the Cubs' inability to put the ball in play with runners on second and third, with runners on third, less than two outs, or even with two outs, that was a a large difference in this series. So I, I think that the place that we're at is you have to find a way to Get things together, yeah, for 32 games and take care of business. Because again, as we've said for a long time, I just don't think that the talent on this team should be playing like this. And I, I don't think there's a simple answer as to why they have and why they have for so long, but... right. I just think that they should be better than this. And especially when you're you know, you're talking about a division that might get one with eighty seven to ninety games, right? I don't think we're asking a lot from this roster. Like I don't think anybody's even saying, like, oh, I think the talent level on this roster should be winning hundred and ten games. Like, no, but I think they should be capable of winning a division that's only gonna take ninety to win it, right? Like yeah. I it's it's crazy that we're even discussing that, to be honest with you. I mean, I thought the Cubs could cakewalk to 90-plus yeah. wins, even if they weren't blowing, you know, the cover off the door or anything like that with some crazy, amazing season like 2016. So it's it's frustrating, uh, but when, again, like, it, it's it's still there, the opportunity is still there, I, I think that it, it, especially with what we've seen from this group over the last few years, it would be a mistake to write them off and, and think that this season is a lost cause or anything like that, because I don't think that's the case, but you got to get it together. You're, you're playing on a very uh, dangerous clock right now where you really don't have time to wait around anymore. You really need to rile off some winning streaks and some stretches of, of really good baseball here to make sure that you are not only fending off the Brewers, who are still lurking behind both the Cubs and Cardinals, but catching the Cardinals. It, it's, you know, someone is in front of you now, so you have to now be playing catch-up, and you have to hope that other teams are going to help, which the Rockies didn't this weekend, and yeah, and and you need to take care of your own business, but it's uh, they, they've they've laid a, a bit of a, a difficult course for themselves, Brennan. I mean, there's really no way to, to sugarcoat that. This might look like a normal job, but it's not. When hackers infiltrate networks and steal or destroy proprietary data, we're all at risk. Becca used to be a mid-level programmer until she earned a master's degree in cybersecurity online at Grand Canyon University. Now she's setting sophisticated honeypots to lure and catch hackers. What do you think protecting your company looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.
0: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand.
2: Well, Jordan Bastion tweeted this out and was made aware to me at least by a friend of the podcast, Thomas Felton. And Jordan Bastian said that entering today's game, the Nationals had a 79% contact rate. The league average is around 76%. The Cubs contact were was 73.7% going into the series again. And yeah, you do see what a difference like that could make. But I don't I don't like that stat and, and here's kind of why. With Chris Bryant and Rizzo and even Hayward and Castellanos, all four of those guys make well above league average contact. Even KB at his best is making like seventy seven percent contact. The issue is that the guys who have not been producing this year, you know, six through nine in any type of order, not only do they not make contact, they don't make good contact either, right? So the issue is not the Cubs' inability to whiff, or rather make contact. It's the fact that they just still have not figured out to have that quality lineup, that one through eight or nine, wherever the pitcher bats, that you are putting up quality at-bats. And I think a good point to to bring up here is Javi Baez, right? Yeah. In his slump, he's making above-league average contact, Corey, making 77% contact and that is above league average like we just said. Again, the Nats are around seventy-nine percent contact. Javi's historically made around sixty-five to seventy percent contact. So despite him hitting the ball more, he's not getting the runs to come with that. That that's not a contact issue. That's a quality of contact issue. That's a plate approach issue. And my 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 frustration goes, especially at this series, at that plate approach. Like Joe Madden said that Annabelle Sanchez looked like Hal Hendricks for the Nationals. That's that's fine, yeah. Like that, they got one hit that day, whatever. But the approach, the process that they went into that game with, they were overmatched. And I get, I know, like hitting major league pitching is exceptionally difficult. But that was the worst, the absolute worst approach I've seen. And even in that Sunday series uh, finale against Strasburg, like. There are multiple instances where I'm watching Javi or even Schwarber when they're ahead of the count and the Nationals are pitching backwards. They are way ahead of these breaking pitches and it costs them. Like that cost them the game today. And I, again, I know it's, it's, this is almost nitpicking. I get it. But the teams that are winning 100 plus games, the Dodgers, the, 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 the Astros, these teams, they're able to implement all their data, all their scouting, bring out the best of everyone, bring out the best of these DFA guys, bring out the best of Max Muncy, Jordan Alvarez. Like, they come from nowhere, and that's where the Cubs have been kind of caught up at. So I don't think it's an issue of them being, hey, they're not making contact. No, they're not making quality contact. That's the issue. And that's, that's a byproduct of a plate approach issue. And they they are just not hitting the ball, sure, but they're also not hitting the ball with quality contact. And you saw that on display, and that truly is what cost the Cubs, I think, this series, and has cost them several games this year, Corey. You you mentioned him, but I do want to talk about Javi Baez and and see what you think—
1: is going on there because he's just in a bit of a slump. And I, I think that we've noted a lot, like Javi was so important for this team in the twenty eighteen season. That team, even as far as they go, right? They go nowhere if Javi doesn't put them on their back and and pick up the slack from when Chris Bryant was injured. And I think that a lot of us came to the expectation that, you know, we could just expect him to play like that every day and and year in and year out and that's obviously a very high standard so he's still been very good but not to that like full El Mago level right and just yeah. looking at some of his numbers over around the last 30 games there's about 115 at bats he's got a 737 OPS in the last 15 games there's about 55 at bats it's 493 And if you just look at these last seven, it's just a bit uh, under 600. So those are not particularly good numbers. And he's making spectacular plays all over the field. He's still Javi Baez. But when he's not playing at that elite offensive level that we saw in 2018, it's a noticeable gap, I I, I guess. like There's just so many spots where... You need him to come through, and he has come through in the last few years, but it just feels like he's off right now. And like you said, in this series in particular, I message you, Brendan, that just from a visual perspective, it seems like he has let some bad habits slip back in, even if it's just this weekend. But just expanding the zone more—he always expands the zone, but (laughs) way more than we— I think have seen. He's he's done such good work at, at refining his approach, at least in in his own way, that this weekend looked a little different to me. It just looked uh, not as calm and, and not as in tune with that approach. And I, I guess I just wonder really what I'm getting at is he's been such a reliable force on offense, and you really kind of like know what he's capable of and and what you're going to get from him, do do we think that that heel is is creeping back up and and giving him some problems? Do we think that this is a you know, is he playing through some stuff not at one hundred percent health? or where is a slump like this coming from for a
2: guy that we've seen perform at such high levels in the last few years? Javi's contact rate in that small sample, like you just said, even in the last ten days, making league average contact again and you look at where the contact is being made against and a lot of it is outside the strike zone like javi is expanding his strike zone this time not whiffing this time making contact and grounding out weekly or just not getting the type of hard hit balls we've been so used to seeing i don't think it's an injury because if it was an injury a lot of the other peripherals would be clearly muted right but they're they're not. Like he's clearly going through a different type of plate approach adjustment. I don't know if he's getting pitched differently. We'll have to look at it a little bit more closely, but the the contact jumps out at you. Like, think about this. For every three of four swings outside the strike zone, Corey, he's making contact. That's an insane amount. Usually it's like maybe four out of every ten swings for most guys. Three of every four swings is too much. And that was one of the issues we had with Elmora. Like, he has that hit tool. And even Sterling Castro, if you want to go way back, they have the ability to make contact. The problem is they're doing so at bad pitches. So this this one's a little bit more worrisome for me just because the issues with Javi in the past has not been making too much contact. The issues have been making too few contact. And he was still able to hit for power. This time, he's just not doing it. So I... I don't know what to expect. I know he almost had another injury in Saturday's game where he came up limping after running the first base. Javi tends to do that. He you know, he's a fast twitch guy. He gets hurt every now and then. I'm not concerned about injuries. I'm more concerned that the league is going through a successful adjustment phase against him at a bad time for the Cubs with thirty games left. Hopefully he can get beyond that, adjust rapidly and get back to that power levels, but baseballs hard and they're going to get to you and hopefully he gets beyond this relatively soon and so I, I think he's perhaps picking up
1: on the adjustments that the pitchers are making and, and maybe noticing that they're, they're trying to do certain things against him. So that was good to see. But yeah, like, look, you know, he—and it's weird, too, because his last home run comes on the day that he hits two home runs, that August 5th game, uh, to start that series against Oakland at Wrigley Field. And I remember messaging you kind of just the opposite and saying, dude, Javi looks amazing. In this series, he was lining the ball the other way a lot in that series. He had several hits in those three games. He had five hits throughout those uh, three games. Two home runs, like I said, and it looked like he was really starting to heat up. And it just has cooled off a bit since then. So, yeah, again, like, look, we're we're still. I want to make this clear. Like, we're talking about a guy who has an eight. 50, 844 OPS on the season. And like, that's, that's really good, especially for someone who's an amazing shortstop,
2: an amazing base runner. And he's still making amazing defensive plays. Like he put out a clinic the entire weekend against the Nationals. So it's not as if his game is taking a nosedive. It's just, it it, it
1: sucks. It's, I guess, just pointing out that there is a difference in this lineup when he is simply a good player versus when he is at that kind of next level, and we saw that next level last year, and again, you know, maybe it's not fair to expect him to do that, but I think he would expect himself to do that, and so, and again, this isn't, uh, like, I don't think he's responsible for, like, where the Cubs are, them not playing well. That's not at all the the conversation here. I want to make sure that's clear. Uh, it's It's just sort of pointing out and discussing that he has been good, but the Cubs kind of need him to be great and and otherworldly and you know i think that you're you're kind of feeling that difference in, in some of these games which again you know maybe is a lot to put on javi but he's done it before well, especially when you to... have
2: wilson out and you have rizzo yeah, with a back sure. injury like you need javi to be like peak javi right now like right now right because because
1: again like this also goes to some of the other stuff that we talked about like you're not going to fix some of these depth issues, right? Like you've got Russell in there on some days, and yes, he hit the homer on Sunday, but otherwise has not looked good since he has come back up from AAA. You've obviously had Bodie who just came back on Sunday. He's been up and down because of his struggles. Though, like Those things aren't going to change, right? They They can't magically add more depth. And so as I've said all along, that puts more pressure on those big guys. And whether it's fair or not, that is what the question becomes. Like, the depth isn't going to change. You can't just all of a sudden expect the bottom of this order to be flourishing, right? Like, you've added Castellanos. He's done amazing. But some of these things just are the way they are, and that puts more pressure on these guys. You need Chris Bryant to be... MVP level you need Rizzo to be healthy and MVP level and uh, you know these guys are doing it but when they're not you you feel those slumps very heavily I think is like the moral of this uh, topic here that you you just even when these guys go in slumps it you really feel it. it it makes an impact on this lineup because they need them at this point to be performing at that high level pretty much all the time Brendan
2: Mostly it's been a different conversation on a weekly basis which points to the perplexing nature of this team like two weeks ago is the rotation like why was Hamels not performing well what's up with Lester is Hendricks healthy is Q going to be okay and then that changes and then last week it was the bullpen was Campbell going to come back healthy how's Kinstler looking and now it's the offense can Javi come back to his normal self how's Rizzo going to look and that's the nature of this team right now it's like next week we could be talking about the rotation again it's been a merry-go-round so it's 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 exhausting like that's where I'm at right now it's just exhausting talking about these issues and it's not going to be addressed in the next month this is going to be the team the the systematic issues are going to be that for the offseason they just got to buckle down and, and and adjust fast quick and get healthy and just hope baseball goes to their favor and we
1: see it at times like look i know like sweeping the san francisco giants doesn't like make them the world series champions or anything but you, you just see it at times where it, it just seems so easy to envision this team being successful with the pieces they have, right? Like you have a playoff game, Kyle Hendricks gives you a really good start, Castellanos, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, that lineup, you know, feels deep and aggressive with all those guys out there, and you go maybe Ciszek, Wick, Kimbrell, Ryan, like, and just close these games out. And right. you're like, yeah, that seems pretty realistic. Like, I can see that happening. But just so many of those games don't play out that simply. And like you said, Brendan, we go from a different area of the team not clicking at a different time seemingly every other week. And I I don't know,
2: man. So like, it's like, what do you need for you— most to click right now like we've we've again we've talked about these issues with the bullpen we I think you and I both feel comfortable with the nature of the rotation right now but if one thing has to happen for the Cubs to get to the playoffs not even get through the NLDS or NLCS just get and win the division what has got to happen for you well I, th- I
1: think it starts with the offense I think this has been the the point of emphasis for most of the year and if I had to pick one thing in particular, I think it's knowing that Wilson can come back and play to the level that he left at. And that doesn't solve all of the inconsistencies. It, it doesn't uh, guarantee anything, but I think that is, is, is such a big deal. Because like you said, when he's come back from injuries in the past— the the performance has not been there, and and you see that with many guys. Like It's tough to come back from some of these injuries at such a rapid pace and be expected to perform at such a high level, but obviously you add that bat in place of Lucroy today that makes that lineup feel a ton deeper, and I think in a lot of those big spots you've got confidence in someone like Wilson to come through, but I think the overall issue is offensive consistency because we have seen... Javi and Kyle Schwarber come through in, in so many spots. And Schwarber hits the two-run home run to tie the game late on Sunday. But there were a lot of spots over the course of this weekend where those two, and even Chris Bryant and and everybody, like they just don't come through. They, they don't have those productive at-bats. And like I said, it was a real juxtaposition against that Nationals offense that seemed to move every runner station to station. They got every run in when they could get it in with an out they did every little thing every productive plate appearance you could have they were doing this weekend and it just felt like the cubs were never doing it (laughs) and so that's what i think the biggest issue is and it's it's tough to solve like you know we've gone through like you say all the time we've gone through three different hitting coaches like you can't solve that mid-season Right, but that's what needs to be better. There's just too many runs being left on the table and too many opportunities just not being taken. And you really see what happens when you play a team like Washington when they do take those opportunities. That's how some of these games, even though the Nats weren't really hitting that many home runs this weekend, that's how some of these games get out of control very quickly. In I think really even those first two games, it didn't feel like the Cubs were getting destroyed. You know, Lester said after the game on Friday, and he wasn't good, his command wasn't great, but I didn't think he was as bad as the overall score or the line reflected, and he said after the game, you know, it was a lot of singles, a lot of ground balls getting through, and they're still hits. They count as hits. I'm not pretending like they don't, but it didn't feel like the nationals were just clobbering the ball all over the park or out of the park save for anthony rendon hitting that ball in the street today but it didn't feel like that but you have two games the first game of the series the nationals win 9 to 3 and the second game they win 7 to 2 and that's how these games get out of hand like that because every single time they had a runner on they moved him over they got him in Right? right every single time yep. they they were coming through in those situations they were going station to station taking their walks advancing runners at taking the extra base every single time on singles to the outfield et cetera. and it just felt like the cubs weren't matching them in yeah. in, in that regard so This has been the case the last three years, man. I mean, like, this is kind of a hallmark of this team, unfortunately. The offense that kind of is feast or famine comes and goes, and certainly, like, not every team in the league is putting up five, six runs a game and just comfortably scoring every night, right? Like, even that series that we just watched with the Yankees and the Dodgers playing in LA this weekend, a couple of those games, the teams ended up with one or two runs, right? It happens, right? This is baseball, but It just feels like that has been such an issue for the Cubs more than anyone else, and it has really slowed them down. So if I had to pick one thing, I mean, I I would say that, and one player in particular, I think Wilson Wilson. coming back and being healthy is crucial to, to this team's success. I think that would be a big boost as
2: we get towards these last few weeks here. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think if Wilson comes back and looks like the same guy he was in April... May and June it changes everything about this offense especially if you assume that Rizzo's back injury is just that one week spell and he comes back and he's fine so yeah getting that guy back would be huge even if Javi is like a league average hitter which he's been over the last month or so but going back to your point too and about about the Nationals just executing right Cantana said the same thing like Q said after his start he executed like he had his game plan he executed it and the nationals just beat the Cubs. And I think that that is what makes this series loss so unsettling is that you saw the Cubs not really play poorly. Like, yeah, they didn't play well, but they got beat. Like they didn't beat themselves. They just got beat, man. Like the the starters for the Nats beat the hell out of this team. Like like Annabelle Sanchez, like I get his numbers are, have been good this year. But he looked. He made that team look silly, and you just know they're being overmatched in those instances with shirt or with uh, Strasburg. Again, the Cubs put up some decent at bats, but when push came to shove, Strasburg got the best out of them, and it's the same thing with Joe Ross as well. So that's that's the most unsettling part, is because the Cubs, while they don't play their best baseball at times, they have to play their best to beat these teams. And for a majority of 2016, when they were not even playing their best, they still had underlying traits that made them so damn difficult to beat. And a lot of that was due to Dexter Fowler or due to Ben Zobris, due to that lockdown starting staff, due to that absolute airtight defense. And when the Cubs don't make one play and they don't make that spectacular play, Or they don't come in and have that one quality at bat with runners on second and third with less than two outs. That is costing them these games. And we can point back to several instances in this series. In Sunday, guy on first and second, no outs, three down, inning over. Javi Baez makes an unbelievable play up the middle, dives to his glove side, spins around, happens off the bag by a centimeter. And then that was it, right? Like you saw, it elongated the inning the nats they made every play in right field eaton made spectacular plays out in right field over his shoulder and that's that was reminiscent to what we saw in 2016
1: yeah i again like i i think that's the key is that i i think that this team is better than they have played. I, it's crazy to me that this team has been so close to five hundred for a one hundred game span. But it doesn't I, even I, feel I, like it doesn't. I literally can't believe it. I mean that so does sincerely. It, does it feel I like they've been five hundred
2: though? It. Like does it feel like they've played at a five hundred level? Like genuinely, no. no, right? That and that's what I mean. Like I'm the same way. Like, I don't feel as if this team has been five hundred. You watch this team at stretches, like wow, everything looks right. phenomenal. And that's the puzzling part, and that goes to show, okay, they're losing one-run games. Why is that happening? Well, some of these defensive plays that should be made, or some of them that are even difficult to be made, they were made in seasons past. And then, of course, the back end of the bullpen when they were going through injuries. And, of course, the rotation at times, right? So you know like that is why the Cubs have been 500, just because they have zero margin for
1: error. No matter how strongly you believe in this group, right? And and I think you and I are probably amongst, at least if I'm reading my Twitter timeline correctly, <laughs> amongst some of the more positive on this group. I mean, some people are ready to just burn the whole thing down. But this is 32 games, man. Like this is 32 games and a deficit of two and a half games. Like that's not easy to just overcome. And it it just puts you in a spot where, like you said, they have to go into September and play really good baseball. They have to play their best baseball, no questions asked, no you know, uh, lamenting days off or the the schedule or, you know, a bad stretch. Like, you don't have time for it. And unfortunately, yeah. like, you're not really going to get any easier here in the immediate future. You're going to have to face a few of the, you know, a couple of the best pitchers in the league and one of probably the best pitcher in the league in Jacob deGrom. So, that's not... that's uh, and then Syndergaard. You know, it's, it's just nonstop. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy task. So they're going to have to take this off day on Monday and come back ready to go. So it's, yeah, it, it just was a disappointing end to that homestand, man. And, like, the, the crowd on Sunday, I know you were there as well, like, just... The, the, the crowd was so energized during that San Francisco series. I think I came back on here and said that after that series, that like it was just such a good atmosphere. And for <laughs> are you it blaming to come, this on me? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. No, 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 okay. no. I, at okay. this point, I don't think any of us are responsible well, for what's that. going on out there. But like after, for this to come after that game in the San Francisco series that Anthony Rizzo called a season-defining win. The energy at Wrigley Field from the fans, the energy at Wrigley Field from the team, even just that we saw in the stands or on TV, was electric. It was it was so palpable that this team was feeling good about themselves. They felt really good about overcoming those deficits over and over again and getting their pitchers off the hook and getting a big win with KB coming up clutch. And just a few days later, I mean, they just get kind of run over by this hot, really good and, and scary yeah. Nationals team. But I, I think especially at home, we were all just kind of hoping that they would be a little more competitive find myself not so able to say that the the games on friday like you said lester not not a good start again six turn runs in just 4 and a third and they get one hit in 8 and a third's innings off of anibal sanchez and you know like you said he's got a 3.81 era on the season now but one hit and eight and a third, like at this point in the season and the situation that and you're going to need a better effort than that. You're going to need a better approach than that. And uh, with Ross on... Saturday, he only goes four and a third. The Cubs only get two runs across, but they got six hits, four walks. Like right. they, they did they decent work against him. They didn't capitalize on
2: those opportunities. Right.
1: They did good work against him, but then they just can't capitalize, and then they do absolutely nothing against Washington's bullpen. They get one hit the rest of that day on Sunday. And, you know, of course— or excuse me, Saturday. And then Sunday, an extra innings lost. They they had a nice job to come back in that game. They trailed uh, by a, a bigger deficit in that game, but they chip away. They come back, they get the big hit by Schwarber. And you even were feeling, I think, in that game, like if they can come back, if they can salvage this game, win a game that Strasburg started, okay, we'll move on, we'll take the off day, and, and we'll proceed forward. But to, to take a full sweep, man. I mean, that was a real gut punch this weekend. I mean, and and that's right. kind of what I wanted to get into at the beginning of this discussion, and you know why it was maybe a little more free form, just because I, I think that this was just one of those places where it didn't warrant a full on freakout. It's just not that that time yet, uh, perhaps. But I, I think it's it's nice to sometimes just be like let's not dig into the players or trends or anything like that. Let's just say exactly how we feel about what we just saw and where we are with this group. And I, you know, I think to to put it simply, my, my feeling with this group is is disappointed in how this weekend went. I was really hoping that on that five-game winning streak, you finally won a series on the road, you came home, you you swept the Giants, you had some nice games in that series, some big performances from guys, and to be able to take that and have a good competitive showing against a team like Washington, who is playing at at a level that is close to probably the best in baseball over the last uh, short period here, they, they've been really good, this Washington team, and we just didn't see that, and again, like, you can go over the the systemic issues and the the bigger picture things and and topics and discussions for the off season and and what's gone on in the twenty nineteen season, but what what sticks out is just this is a a tough task that they've laid for themselves and and i I still believe that this team gets it together and is able to win this division because I believe that the whole time like i said i i don't believe I cannot believe that they have played so close to 500 for 100 plus games. So I'm not wavering in that. I I still think that this group is capable of turning in stretches that are really good, racking up wins, and that they look like a top team in this league. I believe they're fully capable of that. But we just haven't seen it for, for sustained periods of time. So you've got a, a tall order in front of you in, in winning this division. And boy, our head's going to roll, Brendan, if this team oh, either misses man. the playoffs or is in a wild card game for the second straight I year, know. because there's just no universe where not even by my standards, by your standards, by y'all's standards listening to this, but we're talking Theo Epstein, Tom Ricketts, Jed Hoyer those guys, there is no way that that is acceptable for that group. And the fact that we are even entertaining the Cubs not winning a division that might be won by like an 89-win Cardinal team makes me violently sick, Brendan. It makes me sick. I I can't believe that that's something that's even going to be allowed to be possible. The fact that it's possible here on Sunday, August 25th, I'm, I'm serious, it makes me physically ill to think that this is a situation the Cubs have allowed to happen because that's how I that's honestly how I see it like I think this is the Cubs have allowed this not so good okay Cardinals team to be in a position to win this division that they absolutely don't deserve I think that going into this season I just had such a higher expectation for this team and how they would be able to
2: perform and you know here we are I know. this is just uh kind of what it is so is there anything that you want to see different from a lineup point of view from a bullpen strategy point of view that think could make a difference in the next 32 games i know we'll wait and see what happens to rizzo on his off day and whether he'll be back on tuesday i know the cubs just called up david Bodie; they got rid of their ninth bullpen arm so they're back at eight in the pen Bodie, who knows what his role will be but right. If there's anything that you want to see that's different on Tuesday, is it dramatic? Is it a slight tweak? Or is it more like, you know what, throw the same type of line about there? It, it was working for San Fran, working against some of those Milwaukee games right. as well. Let's just see what happens. Like, wh- like, where are you with that? It just
0: doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's where I would be. I mean, I, I think that those lineups where you had primarily, what was it, Hayward, Castellanos, yep. Bryant,
2: Rizzo, Rizzo Javi. Baez, Schwarber, App, And then catch a spot, Caratini or LaCroix.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that lineup is generally how I would be going. Do you
2: reshuffle it, though? Like, here's, like, I look at Hayward's numbers. Hayward's been good this year. It's so
1: late in the season to be doing this, man. Like, who are you going to put up there?
2: Dude, he has, I don't know, he just has a 65 WRC it's, it's, plus. Yeah, I know, spot. but it seems like, to
1: be just an absolute black hole. Like, whoever they put up there just gets sucked what into, what if Rizzo, what if Rizzo, the, you know. So
2: if Rizzo, is, if Rizzo is healthy.
1: If he wants to. I mean, if you want to do that, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, look, you, you got to get things going, and you need that spot I mean, to perform. You, but but so. what I'm asking is,
2: like, would you prefer it? Like, if Rizzo comes back on Tuesday, he's like, you know what? My back feels fantastic. Like, do you put him at? the leadoff spot. like I, I don't know if I prefer it,
1: but if, if uh, he's open to it and I comfortable I with it, I don't point. have a problem with it. Yeah. I mean, you need a spark there. I mean, it's true. And this is this goes back to like when they tried Schwarber there in 2017. It's just been a bad spot for the Cubs. What I was, just to, to finish on that, I was going to say that I, you know, I think one of the interesting things to see here, and I'm certainly not counting on him to be, providing anything that he has in the past or be some sort of answer but I but I am genuinely curious as to what impact if any Ben Zobris can
2: have I was on this thing. group like what like what if what if Zobris comes and this is how you know we're being desperate right now but what if Zobris comes back and he looks anything like himself in the past few years with this team like last yeah. year might be asking too much it was one of his career best years batting over 300 WRC plus around 125 like that might be asking too much But if he comes back, and he is even slightly above league average, all of a sudden you have a guy at second base who may be the guy you can rely on. They've tried, of course, Hap there. Addison Russell is back on the team. They've tried Tony Kemp there, and all of whom haven't gotten consistent chances because they haven't taken away and, and flown with that opportunity. But if Zobris comes back... Maybe there's a leadoff guy right there. But again, it, it goes back to me being like, that's a desperate, desperate stretch yeah, to course. hope that would happen.
1: I, I just think it's, it's, it's curious as to what he's going to be able to bring. Like, I, I think as far as like a realistic expectation, like likely not even playing every day and it's still going to take some time to ramp up to major league pitching And, you know, again, maybe he can provide you something close to what he's been able to do at the plate throughout his career. Uh, But again, like expecting that or thinking that that's just going to happen and and be some seamless transition is asking a ton (laughs) of him. But I just think, again, we've talked about his potential clubhouse presence and just the ability to, you know, even if his hit tool has diminished in this time and, and through this process, he's still a professional hitter. He knows how to read pitchers. He knows how to dial into those scouting reports and put together professional at-bats. And I think that this team needs that, even if it's once every couple days that he's starting or playing or leading off, whatever his role may end up being. I do I, I am very curious to see if he can kind of rub off a little and, and kind of spread that through the rest of the lineup at times or, you know, just inject one person doing that into the lineup uh, yeah. at times. So, I'm with you,
2: yeah. I mean, in the, in the back of my mind, I'm not going to lie, like I was thinking that even watching the game today, I'm like, you know, what if Zobris comes back, like, and if he plays anywhere near average level, that, that would be a huge boost for this team. With that said, let's preview this upcoming series against the New York Mets. It's going to be a tough one, guys. So on Tuesday, the first game starts at six ten p.m. Central. Yu Darvish on the mound for the Cubs, facing Marcus Strowman. Darvish on the year is four and six with a four point four three ERA. Strowman's seven and eleven, a three point one eight ERA. Darvish coming off his last start, in which he gave up six earned runs, but I thought he looked pretty good. Just got unfortunate with some at bats there then on Wednesday same start time 6 10 p.m and we have Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs 9 and 9 with a 3.2 ERA hope you're facing Noah Syndergaard for the Mets 9 and 6 to 3.71 ERA and then on Thursday to finish off the three-game set 6 10 p.m central start time again your boy John Lester on the mound 10 and 9 with a 4.49 ERA He'll be facing Jacob Degrom for the Mets, eight and seven with a two point five six ERA. The Cubs are sixty nine and sixty one. The Cardinals are two and a half games up of the Cubs. The Cubs still remain two games up of Milwaukee, and right now it looks like just still to be a crunched top of the division. But the Cardinals have been playing so well; they've been pitching so much better, and they're they're a threat right now. It just it's, I can't believe we're even talking about this. It's, it
1: sucks. Well, to be fair, I think at the beginning of the year when we were previewing things, you and I both said that they concerned us more than Milwaukee. No, but it's just like sixty-nine and sixty one. What the hell is this? And, and we should have been we should have been worried about our own that's stuff. What I'm saying. You know, it's we like, were I, we were thinking about Milwaukee and St. Louis I mean, we had
2: enough to deal with. Like if you were to have told me this would be the situation, I would think like, yeah, the Cubs are like twenty five up and so are the other teams. Like they were clearly the favorite as a division group to be the best in the in the National League. It's just a a wild year. Um I mean, player trends, I got nothing. Corey, honestly, I think just as a unit, they need to play better. The approach needs to be better. Again, it's not an effort thing. I, I, I never think it's an effort thing with this group. It's just more of an execution type thing. Um, so you want to see Rizzo get back out there on Tuesday, hoping desperately that his pack is okay. You want to see Javi start to, to lay off some of those bad pitches, but not... Hit those bad pitches. Still swing at them. I don't care if you swing at them. Just don't hit those bad pitches. Again, making contact on three of every four swings outside the zone is too much. So above all else, I want to see Rizzo healthy and just execute, man. Just just execute, win the series, get this team going. They play Milwaukee at the end of the week. They're going to have a tough September. But looking at the strength of schedule, if there's anything to be a little optimistic about, The Cardinals have a tougher schedule. The strength schedule for winning percentage opponents is 511 for St. Louis. It's right at 500 for the Cubs. So it's marginally a little bit worse. The Cubs have a few more road games, a little bit tighter of a schedule, but the Cardinals are playing better opponents as a whole. So I don't know if that gives you more confidence, but I'm trying to find something to be positive about. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. And
1: the the Cardinals are going into Milwaukee, so... Uh, you know, I, you you got to—we don't ever—it's similar to the Dodgers. We don't ever root for the Brewers, but we're
2: hoping that the Cardinals lose. Let's put it that way. I mean, it uh, still sucks, though. Like the, like, the Milwaukee's playing St. Louis right now. In a way, you don't—like, of course you want to see Milwaukee not win, or, or rather, you know, St. Louis not win, but— the Cubs end up losing these games, and you're going to lose ground regardless. That's 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 the crappy part about this. You have to go out there, yeah. and you have to win the series. If you don't win the series, you're going to be losing ground no matter what. That's That sucks. Right. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: and with the pitching that the Cubs are facing, that's a, a tall task. But you you got to look at that series. It's about that time to be scoreboard watching and, and standings watching, so we, we do have to pay attention to that. But it's pretty simple. Uh, this is a tough series. The Mets are hot, and again, like with Washington— but more so with the Mets the Mets need to win these games these are i you know i don't know when anything is a must win game i don't really like the phrase but they certainly feel very important for this Mets team trying to stay in that wild card hunt trying to capitalize on this hot run that they've had so they need these games and they have been playing well they've got some really good hitters in that lineup Pete Alonso Jeff McNeil and The Cubs are going to face really good pitching, and we have seen them struggle with really good pitching. We've seen them struggle with not so good pitching. So this is a a lot to ask of a team that has not played well on the road to go in and beat Stroman, Syndergaard, and Jacob deGrom, but that is the task that is in front of them. And 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 like we said, you're somebody in this division, somebody in the the race for this division is going to be winning some of these games. So you're going to need to win to make sure that you are not losing ground. And that's really it. I I don't think I, I don't care who does it. I don't care who steps up, who doesn't step up. This team needs to play better and they need to do it now. Like there, there, you are running out of time. You're literally getting to, we're just a few days above four weeks left in this season. Like that is not a lot of time and it's no longer in your control. So from this point forward, you got to take care of your own business and hope that everything else falls into place for you as you go forward here, but I think that's all we have for you i man, I was really hoping that this was gonna be a a hyped up episode brendan when we when we left all of you listeners at the end of that giant series it was a, it was a pretty hyped episode. I think we were feeling good, and I think going into this series, I was really hoping that we would get here on Sunday night and be able to just be super jacked about this team and the way that they played against the nationals and how they were looking heading into rosters expanding and heading into these final few weeks of the season alas not the case but there is still runway left and the Cubs need to use every inch of it. So, as always, we will be here uh, rooting them on, talking about it, and and trying as best as we can to will it into existence. But it is just a two and a half game lead, so don't lose hope just yet, Cubs fans. There are 32 games left. The Cubs play the Cardinals a few times here, so nothing is impossible in this division as it relates to the Cubs. And like I said, all of us just kind of need to to put our heads together. Put Our hearts together and try to do our best as fans to help the boys out when we can and get it done. But we will talk to you on Thursday after the Cubs and Mets finish up. Enjoy the off day. Take a breather. We're heading into these last few weeks here, so this is gut check time. This is real uh, buckle your seatbelt territory last year was a wild ride and uh so I, I think it's it's best that we all heed that warning to to kind of expect uh a roller coaster here for these last few weeks. So We will talk to you on Thursday, enjoy your off day, and let's all hope that the Cubs can show up and get those bats working against the pitchers for the New York Mets. But as always, we thank you guys for listening, thank you guys for downloading, commenting, interacting with the podcast, we appreciate it, we are glad to have you uh, as part of the Cubs-related podcast family. We will talk to you on Thursday, and as always, go Cubs! Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top ten list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician. I can be referred to the lab. I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care. It's compassion of care. It's convenience of care. It's true.
0: Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.
2: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
0: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.